0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is a future of what single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at killrockstars.com/slash/the-future-of-what. Support for the future of what comes from Merchtable. Since 2002, Merchtable has operated and managed online stores for hundreds of successful musicians, record labels, comedians, artists, and small businesses. Big or small, set up shop today by visiting MerchTable.com. We're talking to Mike Huppy, president of Sound Exchange. Mike, welcome back to the future of what?
1: Portia, always great to be here.
0: Yeah, it's so nice to actually be able to look at you. <laughs> We're in a real studio,
1: ah, <laughs> like human beings. I know it's not fuzzy over over telephone. It's yeah, all amen. It's great.
0: So I had you in the studio today to talk about this recent acquisition that SoundExchange made, and it's kind of a big deal,
1: right? It is a huge deal, Portia. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, tell us all about it.
1: Well, who did you acquire? So SoundExchange, or actually a subsidiary of SoundExchange, acquired a Canadian company called CMRRA. They handle the bulk of mechanical licensing on the publisher side in Canada. Wow. And so what was the rationale behind this acquisition? You know, to be honest, from the time I first began in this industry, I never understood why there was such a bifurcation. You know, we all talk about the two halves of the industry, publishing and recording. And it always struck me as a false bifurcation because the fact of the matter is so many of us out there in the industry are involved in both parts of the industry. So this was an attempt to try to, you know, cross the Rubicon, marry up data and admin capability on both the recording and the publishing side to try to do something different and do something better for the industry.
0: So what is this going to lead to for you guys? I mean, how how are you thinking that SoundExchange is going to use this?
1: You know, initially out of the gate, SoundExchange is still going to do the bulk of what it does really well. CMRA is going to continue to do what they do in Canada. But I think with the the promise of this of this union bringing these two things together is the ability to marry up the back office between publishing and recording, offer folks the ability to administer some new products. You know, new new types of platforms that maybe they haven't administered before. There'll obviously be efficiencies too. You know, but by by combining. Both Both of our expertise will have some efficiencies, but the real beauty of what this may become is imagine, you know, if a DSP could handle mechanicals and their sound recording neighboring rights all in one spot and take care of all of that. For example, imagine marrying up the data that we both have where you can have um, a sound recording and publishing information, songwriter, publisher, artist record label all in one spot. There's a lot of promise for, for that type of solution.
0: So Spotify rather notoriously or famously just recently settled a lawsuit with Melissa Ferrick as the plaintiff. We've spoken to her on this show before about that lawsuit. And that lawsuit was really basically about exactly this, right? Mechanical royalties for Spotify plays.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, Spotify. You know, they they settled that lawsuit, and prior to that, they had a, a settlement of sorts with the NMPA. Right. I don't think there was actually a, a lawsuit in that, but it was a settlement of claims. And it's an example of why the system's broken. You know, we sent a man to the moon four decades ago, five, six decades ago, and we still don't <laughs> know who wrote a song sometimes, right. or you know, or who played the background, you know, guitar uh, vocals in, in in a given recording. So the Spotify lawsuits are kind of a perfect example of why the system's broken. Here you have a company that's purportedly even trying to do the right thing. And it's it's just so hard to get the coverage you need when it comes to music. DSPs have so many places they have to go to get the rights to provide the product they provide. Our purchase of CMRA and bringing these two things together will help maybe start to bring that together on the back end.
0: Right. And one of the cool things about SoundExchange, and I think you've been talking and thinking about this a lot for the the whole time you've been there, but I don't know if every single other person has thought about this, is that you guys are really at this point like the biggest database of clean metadata in the U.S., you know, for the most part, because you service everybody, you service majors and in indies, you you work with artists who are not signed to a label, you know, you work with everybody. So you have this massive database and this is the kind of thing that we're thinking forward, we could put this data to even better use than it's being currently put to.
1: That's absolutely right. Because we do what we do in the, in the US, the bulk of what we've done up until now you know, we're obviously diversifying and doing more things, but the bulk of what we've done up until now is administer this government license, this statutory license. What does that mean? That means if you are getting any play or at all commercially relevant in any of these digital radio services, you're probably in our ecosystem and we probably get data related to you. So we, several years ago, one of our top priorities was to really develop the best, most robust sound recording database in the world. Is it perfect? No. Show me a database that's perfect and I have a that I want to sell you. (laughs) And we, and we have a philosophy that we really, we source it directly from the rights owner. We don't get it from third parties. We don't get it from people who know people who know people who used to know people. We have rights owners give us their data. We clean it up. If, if we find a conflict, we work that through. If we see a problem, we go back to them and say, can you fix it? Re-report it to us and it closes the loop so that you're reporting back to the rights owners the very stuff they reported to you. Imagine if we can now get that out to the DSPs and that's what they're reporting to us and it closes the loop for everybody. So we have the best sound recording database and, you know, when you think about publishing and, you know, if you're a publisher or a songwriter and you're working with a DSP or some other user, they typically don't report songs. They typically report recordings, right? So when Pandora or Spotify or SiriusXM deals with publishers, they're probably sending them recordings out of the gate. So the fact that we have a really good recording set underlying that is a very good first step, even towards the publishing issue.
0: Absolutely. And I think that this whole issue is complicated. I mean, we probably always need to touch on this when we talk about it, although at this point it's probably really boring for you because it's like- (laughs) Never boring. Never boring. (laughs) the the, The problem with metadata is metadata, right? It's, it's that it's that people have to deliver proper metadata or else you guys are hamstrung from the very beginning. And so the way that SoundExchange does it where somebody sends you metadata, you clean it, you send it back, you say, is this correct? Well, if it is correct, there's these three problems and these three other companies say they also own this song, let's say. And then we all have to figure it out ourselves is amazing because, I mean, speaking as a record label owner, we're not perfect. You know, people aren't perfect. And when they put together their metadata, they're not perfect necessarily. And it's, it sometimes takes that. I, sometimes I need help. You know, I get lists from SoundExchange and I still to this day will get something from SoundExchange where I'll be like, oh, wow, hey, I, you know, this is something I didn't realize we had a problem with. I need to look at
1: this. Well, and that makes sense, Portia, because I'm guessing you didn't get into the performing industry as you, as you had and are or the record business to have really great metadata. It's not what drives, you know, performing artists. It's not right. what drives songwriters. And you know what? We don't want that to drive any of them because songwriters, artists, they're best used to our culture and our society is to go out there, be creative, bring us great music. So it makes sense that metadata isn't the first thing they think about. You know what would be really good is if we could figure out how to, how to get this all established right out of the gate, you know, right in the studio. If Imagine if you walked out of every studio where any, any recording was ever made or Every, any song was ever performed, and you knew at that moment how all the rights should be divided. We're not there yet. Right. And I recognize that's not how it works. Right. But, but, you know, we're constantly pushing towards that because I would love a world where in 10 years, we're not even talking about this anymore. Imagine if you and I sit down here 10 years from now <laughs> and it's really about like your cool next act or the new album or what's happening with this new digital company providing the public with a great product that we can't even imagine right now. And no one's even talking about metadata. That would be great if we're there in a decade. That would be amazing.
0: Although you and I are kind of in the same business right now, which is the education business. And that's really what we're doing with this podcast. And what you guys are doing at Sound Exchange every day is just trying to get people to understand how the whole thing works. And right. I think one of the reasons that you that we constantly have metadata problems is every day there's a new band walking into a studio who doesn't understand how what they need to know. Out, what they right, need to right. have in terms of making their metadata clean. I mean, I didn't know it when I was making my first record, and I was twenty eight or whatever. It's like I didn't know anything about this. So, and then I didn't really know enough people who knew it either. So, we have to put these resources out there and just keep going and going. I know that's a bleak future for you. Ten more years of
1: <laughs> explaining no, no, ten, how this works to everyone. Ten years will go by in a flash. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and and it's and that and the problem gets even more complicated because you have, on the recording side, you might have artists and labels and non-featured and, you know, featured. And then you've got the whole publisher side where you have songwriters represented by publishers and they also have someone doing their mechanical rights and maybe someone else doing, you know, their performance rights and maybe somebody else handling their sync. It's not a streamlined system, you know. If you were going to build this business from scratch and set up all the systems, you probably wouldn't build it the way we, we have it now. It may have made sense 15, 20, 30 years ago you know in the time of CDs or LPs or piano rolls but it's a lot more complicated now and the thing about the digital world, first off there's no international boundaries you know, everything's global the digits, no, no, no border and you have, it's not where you have either a performance or a recording, you have all this variation in between. There's downloads to streaming to tethered downloads in addition to CDs for those that are still buying CDs. The, the, the paradigm that was designed three or four decades ago just doesn't fit today, and, and we're just trying to move it into a better place for the digital world. You know, we call Sound exchange, Change, we like to say we are digital natives. We have the luxury of being born into the digital ecosystem for the digital ecosystem. Like that's why we were created to do this. And we definitely recognize that that's a benefit and something we should be thankful for because it's a lot easier when you're born into it than trying to adapt something that that was created eighty or ninety years ago.
0: Right, and you know I say all the time on the show that this this music business is basically a patchwork of historical accidents. <laughs> yes, it. and we all have to deal with that every day. We just yeah. have to be like, okay, well here we go. So you guys are lucky that you were created specifically to solve a problem in which we already we do have the tools right. to do that. You weren't like, hey, in ten years we're going to invent some tools. So for now, ha- have a stick.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. There's this thing called. Yeah, you guys, it's going to be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even just on the business side. I know Sound SoundChange is based in Washington and obviously much of the country is not, but even in Congress and even in Washington, you're seeing this type of irrational business concept starting to make its way in. You know, you're starting to hear people talk about the need to have streamlined data, have people have access to data. If we want these new business models to work, people need to know who owns what in what territory. You know, that's one thing that you say that even you are, are still correcting your metadata now and, then, now and then. Metadata changes all the time. I mean, every day, catalogs of recordings or songs are bought and sold, or the, you know, or you switch from one aggregator to a different aggregator. It will never be perfect. It's a, it's a never-ending task. But it's gotten to the point where all of these policy issues that bubble up in Washington are even talking about things like databases and metadata and ownership, and you know, the fact that there's people in Congress using the four letters ISR RC is an interesting thing. Wow, so, that's a big deal. I think they're using some other four-letter words too. <laughs> I, I probably won't mention that like help. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't what I had in mind, but that is one. <laughs> I think that would work.
0: So, do you guys have any intentions of acquiring any U.S. publishing mechanicals organizations, or do you want to move into that bore?
1: No, I mean that's that's not. You know, first off, we're, we this was the first step to purchase CMRA with an idea of sort of marrying up the data mm-hmm. and, tr- and you know, it's a Canadian organization, which is, there's a lot of obviously synergy between Canada and the U S there's a lot of North American interests, you know, as North America. So, you know, our first, now that we've uh, acquired them, we're sitting down and figuring out how can we use these assets I- in the best way possible. And, you know, we're not looking to move into any particular specific business right now. We, we, our ultimate goal is basically developing a flexible platform for the future. You know, if you think about the types of business that are occurring in the marketplace, there are new and different configurations out there that publishers and recording art artists and record labels and even, even DIY folks could possibly do. Combinations of rights. Imagine it's, it would be a lot easier to license sound recordings and publishing in the same, in the same breath. Multi-territory deals. You know other things that people are thinking of and in order to do that, you need a sophisticated back office. You need to have someone who can validate the reports of use and track the metadata and deal with conflicts. And we just, we're not looking to lock anybody into any particular business model or lock any clients in a particular long-term deal. We just want to be there to offer flexible solutions so that people can come up with these new configurations that may or may not work. So, you know, I suspect that there may be some people that are interested in, in U.S. Mechanical's work and we'll certainly be looking into that we'll, we're obviously looking to help them do better in Canada what they do give you know with our, with our I mean they do a great job CMRA, CMRA is a great job has a great reputation they have the 85 or 90% of the market share in wow. Canada mm-hmm. they are the ones who represent a lot of the policy issues for publishers so CMRA has a great reputation but obviously we are we have a big platform a, a big database a certain level of sophistication based on what we've done over these past three years and we'll, we're hoping to help them do do Better things in Canada, too.
0: So what else is coming up for SoundExchange? What have you guys got on the horizon?
1: Well, let's see. One thing that we've finished this past year, you know, we've been building this new, very flexible platform and we stood up the the last part of it. So, you know, we have a fully deployed platform that is really open to do many, many things. People know us and the bulk of what we've distributed so far is this this government license, the statutory license called section one hundred fourteen, you know, for internet radio and non interactive radio, digital radio. But we are already using that platform to do other things. We are administering over a dozen direct licenses already, and we're looking to do more. You know, again, if, if people want to go do whatever they do in the marketplace, we just want to be there to help provide the back office. We are administering some of the class action settlements that you've read about, in particular pre seventy two. The Mm -hmm. big pre-72 settlements with the majors and with Merlin, we're paying out the artist's share of a portion of it. We are doing data integrity work with some very big DSPs where they send some data to us. We help clean it up and match it and give them better information. So we're doing all of these things. Another thing that we've done recently is try to spread the, the gospel of ISRC to the world. You know, ISRC, I assume most of your listeners know, but ISRC is sort of the unique serial number for a sound recording. And we believe the whole point of having that is so the money flows the right place and people know who owns what so we actually have on our website you can go there and you can look up we have our whole isrc database made available to the public and we're trying to expand that maybe do an api and working with some beta testers at the dsp level to try to start that back and forth flow of data that we talked about so those are just some of the things you know that that we're working on and now with cmra maybe we can bring some of those solutions to the publishing world
0: wow this is very exciting.
1: So. I love it. Like I said, it, there's a lot of creativity in the marketplace where you have different types of entities coming together to try to offer more services. But this is really the first time in history, at least that we're aware of, that a collective management organization like ourselves has united the administration of sound recordings and publishing under one roof. You know, there's a lot of publishing-publishing combinations or recording-recording combinations. Sometimes there's international combinations on the publishing side. There's some examples where you have a U.S. publishing group and a European publishing group. But as I said, there's this belief in our world that it's the Rubicon. You can never cross from recordings to publishing. And we think it's the first time they've ever been brought together under under a CMO like this. And it just makes ultimate sense. I think I've mentioned this to you before, but, you know, I teach this class at Georgetown Law School and the very first day I have a chart, it's called Music Law, it's a class on music law. And I have a chart, you know, that attempts to sort of talk about the music industry. It has these four quadrants and it talks about what the different parts of the industry do. And it, you know, as, as their eyes start to roll back in, in the back of their head and I bring them back around and they finally, you know, we get to the end of class and I say, by the way, you're all lucky this is law school. And not business school, because if it was business school, need you anything that looked like what's on the board, you would fail out in a heartbeat. Because as a business matter, it doesn't make sense. And even this whole, this whole, I mean. You know, you, you, you probably, you're you your record label, you probably dabble in publishing and own some publishing, right? You're a performer, you probably have some songwriting. Many of the labels we service as SoundExchange, including the biggest and, and many, many indies, all have publishing interests. Many of the performers we pay are also songwriters. So this concept out there that there are these two siloed parts of the industry has never made sense to me and and this is just an attempt to try to break that down and try to bring them together and make everything work a little bit better. We want to get to that world where we're not even talking about metadata. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs>
0: Mike Happy, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today. It is a
1: pleasure being here. Always happy. It's a great podcast and really love that you're doing it and we love we love everything that you're trying to to make happen through it. So, thank you. Thanks for coming on the Future of What? Thank you.
0: Did you like what you heard? Then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening. Marnie Stern. You're listening